Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, if you want to be on the show, 877-973-7425. Thank you to Mr. Katz for filling in for me yesterday while I was in the air headed home. I feel like I need to begin the show with a, a brief apology to those of you listening in Connecticut on our new affiliate, WICC, they picked us up yesterday and I felt terrible. I couldn't be here yesterday. There was no way to rearrange my travel to be able to make it back in time. But thank you guys. Hope you enjoy the show. Uh, you'll learn more about me along the way. Look forward to spending time with you and getting up there to see you at some point. Now, uh, we got to begin with a. I I did not intend to embrace this topic as my own. It just kind of happened. It was not my intention to obsess about what's happening south of the border. In fact, uh, those of us in in the media or in the periphery of the media, we're often told that these sorts of topics, the opioid crisis, fentanyl, and things like that, they're they're the topic to avoid. It depresses people. Everybody knows someone who's been a victim. And so tread lightly in these subjects. But I am of the belief at this point— that it's time to actually wage real war on the Mexican drug cartels. Four American citizens were kidnapped in Mexico. They traveled through Texas into northern Mexico in a white minivan. They entered uh, Matamoros from Brownsville, Texas, the southernmost tip of Texas near the Gulf Coast, All four Americans were placed in a vehicle and taken from the scene by armed men. They have been found. Four kidnapped. Two of them have been murdered. One is wounded and one is unharmed. They had gone to Mexico for uh, tummy tucks. You get cheaper plastic surgery in Mexico. It's, It's something people do. They were mistaken for Haitian smugglers, and the drug cartels don't like the competition. And the drug cartels rounded them up and killed two of them, shot a third one. The fourth one was unharmed. Uh, That's the situation. Um, And it it is absurd to me that we're doing nothing. Uh, It is absurd to me that we are treating this as just a kidnapping. Let me give you some specifics here that you may not know. I did the research for you, so you don't have to. Do you know how many Americans were kidnapped in Mexico in the year 2021? That's the latest we have complete data for. I don't know why we don't have 2022. I went looking for it. We're a year behind. Do you know how many Americans were kidnapped in 2021? Over 600 Americans were kidnapped in Mexico in 2021. In 2020, it was over 800. Most, not all, but most are dual citizens. They are Mexican-Americans. They have American citizenship. They have Mexican citizenship. uh, And they have gone home to see family. Many of them are kidnapped. Some of them are American green card holders. Either way, that's too many. In 2022, a Texas couple, they were gay. They had gone on vacation in Mexico. They were kidnapped by Mexican drug cartel. They were tortured. 
shot in the head, and carved up and dismembered, and their body parts spread. Another American couple in 2022 was burned alive in their car because their family would not pay money for their return. They didn't think they would have to. Don't negotiate with the terrorists. Well, except these aren't terrorists. They're drug cartels because the Biden administration will not declare them terrorists. Can you imagine... What would the response be of the American government if 625 Americans were kidnapped by ISIS or Al-Qaeda? 625, that's the number from 2021. 831 from 2020. 625 Americans in 2021 were kidnapped by Mexican drug cartels. If it was ISIS, if it was Al-Qaeda we would be going to war. But with the cartels, we're worried about diplomatic niceties with Mexico. The Mexican government can't stand up to the cartels. In some cases, they're in the pocket of the cartels. We've now had four more Americans this week go to Mexico. Two of them will not come home alive. The third one is in jeopardy. Why are we treating this like some sort of diplomatic incident with Mexico? The cartels are in our country. They are targeting us in this country. The MS-13 gang, they're around the country. They're in your neighborhood. They're selling drugs. They're killing your children with fentanyl. They're getting your kids addicted to drugs. They're killing each other. They're killing other people. And we are treating this as if it's just a crime story. This is not a crime story. This is an all-out war on the United States of America by Mexican drug cartels, largely funded as a proxy war by China. We are funding Ukraine to stop Russia so that we ourselves do not have to fight Russia. China is funding the drug cartels so that they can kill all the would-be American soldiers and China can take us without firing a shot. This is a proxy war with China. We don't even realize it and we're the ones dying because we're not even fighting back. We're doing nothing. How many Americans must die for Joe Biden to do something? And by the way, in fairness, intellectual honesty, bipartisan problem, Donald Trump could have designated these groups foreign terrorist organizations, and he chose not to. He could have done it too. Neither side wants to treat this as what it actually is, a war. In Colombia in the 1990s, the American government finally had enough of the Medellin drug cartels. Working with the Colombians, we went to war. We sent special forces. We sabotaged their supply lines. We sabotaged their manufacturing facilities. We collected data. We rounded them up, and we brought them to justice. Some killed by the military. Many of them packed away for the rest of their lives in maximum security prisons. We were serious then. In fact, we were so serious and so good at it it ceded ground to these Mexican drug cartels because the Colombian cartels no longer existed. Now we need to do the same to the Mexicans. It's a bipartisan failure as our kids continue to die. It should be unacceptable to all of us that four Americans were kidnapped in Mexico. 
by Mexican drug cartels. Who cares? They, they got them confused with Haitian smugglers. They could have let them go, but they didn't. They chose to kill two, shot a third, let the fourth go. The Mexican government is doing nothing. The Mexican government is corrupt. AMLO, the Mexican president, is considered to be in the pocket of the Mexican drug cartels. This is the guy who famously decided uh, hugs instead of bullets. That was, that was his philosophy. That's what he said, hugs instead of bullets. He wanted to hug the cartels, bring them into society, integrate them some way into society, convince that they were only doing drugs because they couldn't make money elsewhere. So convince them to make money elsewhere, they'll stop the drugs. In fact, what he did is he showed them the rest of the Mexican economy and they've taken over that as well. Our administration, our and it is our administration, Joe Biden, whether you like him or not, he is your president. And your president of the United States is willing to fund a war in Ukraine, but he can't go to East Palestine, Ohio. Your president is willing to fund the Taiwanese protecting themselves, but he's not willing to fund the American military to go after the Mexican drug cartels. Your president, the president of the United States, he is unwilling to do what needs to be done to take care of American citizens. And for those of you saying, but Trump, but Trump, I've already said he didn't either, but he's not president now. Joe Biden is president right now. You know, interestingly enough, this administration is thinking they're going to have to reinstate some of what Donald Trump did. Yes, I know, hard for them to admit it. This is from the New York Times today. The United States is said to be considering reinstating detention of migrant families. The Biden administration is considering reviving the practice of detaining migrant families who cross the border illegally. The same policy the president shut down over the past two years because he wanted a more humane immigration system. Although no final decisions have been made, the move would be a stark reversal for President Biden, who came into office promising to adopt a more compassionate approach to the border after the harsh policies of his predecessor, former President Donald Trump. The Biden administration has largely ended the practice of family detention, instead releasing families into the United States temporarily and using ankle bracelets, traceable cell phones, or other methods to keep track of them. But the administration has turned to more restrictive measures as it struggles to handle the rise of migrants fleeing authoritarian governments and economic ruin in their countries. Officials also fear a surge at the border after May 11th when a public health measure that has allowed authorities to swiftly expel migrants expires. So we've got a massive wave of immigrants coming to this country, and he's going to have to resort to something Donald Trump did. But listen to this. This is one of the key paragraphs here. Listen to this. The Biden administration is struggling to handle a rise in migrants fleeing authoritarian governments and economic ruin in their own countries. We can and should build a wall. But if we want to take a multifaceted approach to solve this for the long term, the gangs in these countries, many of them are funded by the drug cartels. They operate as an arm of Mexican drug cartels in these other countries. Cut off the head of the snake. Get rid of the drug cartels. Many of these authoritarian governments are propped up by the money from these gangs and cartels. You get rid of the cartels, you begin to collapse authoritarian regimes. You begin to return Central America to normal. Going to war with the drug cartels brings peace and calm to Central America.
The Biden administration constantly says they don't want to build a wall. They want to address the underlying problems. They want to solve those problems. Otherwise, people are going to keep coming to the southern border. You solve those problems by killing the drug cartels. You solve those problems by lobbying a few missiles and manufacturing facilities to signal we mean business. You take on the drug cartels and you show the Mexican government you are going to take on the drug cartels and you actually solve the problems the Biden administration continues to say it wants to solve and never solves. You take on the drug cartels, you save American lives. You take on the drug cartels, you return stability to Mexico and Central America. You take on the drug cartels, you show China we actually do mean business, the business of caring for American citizens and treating our national security as we're supposed to treat it as a nation. You take on the drug cartels, you're picking a worthy fight, and yet this president will not do it. If he would declare them foreign terrorist organizations... He could go after the American accountants and lawyers who are helping them. And yes, they have American lawyers and accountants helping them. You declare them terrorists, you could go after those as well and begin to cut down their money and their supply chain in this country. The Biden administration hasn't done any of this. They could do it very easily. They do not need Congress to act. They already have the authority to do it. Why are they not? This year, 107,355 Americans are going to die before this year is up from fentanyl. And this administration, at best, will treat it as a crime story. At worst, just as a public health story. They could treat it as a war. They're treating everything else as a war. They want a war on cancer. They want a war on poverty. They want a war on assault weapons. Why not have a war on the drug cartels, Mr. President? Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I, you know, um, I might as well deal with the difficult subject now and make everybody mad. Welcome back. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Tucker Carlson has begun releasing tapes from January 6th. One of my chief criticisms of the January 6th investigation committee is they hired an ABC News president to produce and slickly package the January 6th videos they had to tell a story. Carlson's doing the exact same thing, including suggesting that the police were uh, showing the bison-helmeted biblical donkey around the Capitol. That guy went to prison, and he's not a victim. He deserved to go to prison. Some of these people are deeply sympathetic. They really had no idea they were stumbling into something illegal. They really thought they were there for a protest. And back in the day, you used to be able to wander the U.S. Capitol freely. And some of these people, particularly the older ones, thought that. But there were a lot of nefarious people as well. And I have seen those videos, the people trying to smash down doors, the people trying to grab members of Congress, the people who were coming in to do harm. I mean, trying to make all of these people out to be innocent, I think, is bad. Trying to make them out to, all out to be guilty is bad. There were some people there who really didn't know what they were getting into, and there were some people there who really were up to no good. It is actually a multifaceted situation. It's not all of one or all of the other. And the January 6th people tried to convince you that it was all of one, and it seems Tucker Carlson's videos are to convince you it's all of the other. The bison-helmeted brain biblical donkey deserved to go to prison. This man stood in the United States Senate demanding Mike Pence show himself while they were building a gallows outside. That is actual factual history. What is more interesting to me, though, is that uh, whether you agree or not, the American people largely have rejected the idea that January 6th was no big deal. 
and the American people punished everyone at the polls who tried to dismiss January 6th as no big deal. And they punished everyone at the polls who tried to argue that the 2020 election was stolen. And I don't know how much more clearly I can say it than this. You may think the 2020 election was stolen, and you may think January 6th was just a walk in the park. But the American public overall disagrees with you. And if you continue siding with candidates who continue to say these things proudly in public, you're going to keep losing. And some of you are okay losing because you've convinced yourself you're going to be a righteous loser and continue to lose. For the rest of us, we would actually like to win. And we've seen we can win with people like DeSantis. We've seen we can win with people like Brian Kemp. We've seen we can even win with people like Lee Zeldin, who himself doesn't win, but causes New York Republicans to do way better than they had any business doing because they focused on the issues that people actually care about, crime and the economy. They didn't try to spend their entire campaign relitigating 2020 and January 6th like Carrie Lake, who went down in flames for doing so. Do you want to win or not? And you can say, well, we have to, we have to get what happened right in order to win. No, you don't. No, you don't. Brian Kemp won. Ron DeSantis won. J.D. Vance won. Ron Johnson won. You don't have to keep relitigating the past so that you can prove to everyone you're correct because nobody agrees with you. But you can start focusing on the future and actually win if you're willing to put aside the past and move forward. Some just can't do it, including Donald Trump. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. The perfect, perfect, perfect segue here. Um, A comment from my buddy Ryan on Twitter. Direct message me. Let me read you this. He says, the elites and left don't feel the opioid crisis, this hillbilly elegy narrative. No surprise Biden won't go to Ohio to see the train derailment, instead blaming others. It's fundamentally destructive, like the cop city here in Atlanta. Present day problems are of no interest to the left, Biden and the Democrats. Instead, it's esoteric fights like climate change, really depressing to know the government is in your way with their boot on your neck. He's not wrong. The cop city fight. So I am broadcasting. uh, My flagship station is WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. They had uh, terrorists this weekend uh, decide to obstruct what they call cop city. It is a police training facility they intend to build. A lawyer for the Southern Poverty Law Center was arrested in this riot. They were throwing Molotov cocktails and other things. Uh, This lawyer claimed he was there to represent some journalism uh, or National Lawyers Guild as an observer, but was actually taking part. It's like the, the terrorists in Israel who sometimes masquerade as humanitarian workers and then participate in terror attacks. It's what the left is doing here as well. This is from the Daily Signal. Authorities arrested Sunday a staff attorney of the Southern Poverty Law Center, a left-leaning civil rights group notorious for branding mainstream conservative and Christian nonprofits hate groups. 
arrested him on terrorism charges. With police aid, he took part in a violent riot where agitators threw rocks, Molotov cocktails, and fireworks at police at a training center near Atlanta. In a statement Monday evening, the Southern Poverty Law Center acknowledged that police arrested an employee, but claimed he had been acting as a legal observer with the National Lawyers Guild. The Guild condemned every police arrest on Sunday as an example of ongoing state repression and violence against racial and environmental justice protesters, and the SPLC condemned escalating policing tactics against protesters. Neither organization explicitly stated that the observer had not engaged in violence. The police have charged him, Thomas Webb Jurgens, with domestic terrorism. I want to read you a list of the people involved. This is very interesting to me. 23 people charged with domestic terrorism for attacking the police in Atlanta, Georgia with Molotov cocktails and burning construction equipment at this place. Let me read you the names. See if you can recognize the pattern here. This is in Atlanta, Georgia. Here are the arrested people charged with domestic terrorism. Jack Beeman, 22 of Georgia. Ayla King, 18 of Massachusetts. Cameron Pipes, 27 of Louisiana. Maggie Gates, 25 of Indiana. Eric Nottingham, 22 of Colorado. Alexi Papley, 48 of Massachusetts. Timothy Bilodeau, 25 of Massachusetts. Victor Purtis, 46 of Utah. Dimitri Lene, 25 of France. Amin Choui, 31 of Virginia. James Marsicano, 29 of North Carolina. Samuel Ward, 26 of Arizona. Max Biederman, 25 of Arizona. Matai Looney, 30 of New York. Emma Bogush, 24 of Connecticut. Kaylee Meshner, 19 of Wisconsin. Luke Harper, 27 of Florida. Grace Martin, 22 of Wisconsin. Colin Dorsey, 42 of Maine. Frederick Robert Paul, 34 of Canada. Canadian, Canadian, Canada, Canada. There's a joke there, but you have to listen to the show to get it. Zoe Larmy, 25 of Tennessee. Thomas Jurgens, 28 of Georgia. Priscilla Grimm, 49 of North Carolina. 23 people arrested in Atlanta, Georgia, charged with domestic terrorism. Only two of them are from Georgia. You've got one from Canada, one from France, and the rest are almost all 20-something. I mean, the ages, 22, 18, 27, 25, 22, 48, 25, 46, 25, 31, 29, 26, 25, 30, 24, 19, 27, 22, 42, 34, 25, 28, 49. They're almost all of them in their 20s. Almost all of them in their 20s. Very few of them from the state of Georgia. And they're there because the police want to build a training facility to train the police. And they are convinced, they've convinced themselves that they are going to learn, the the police will learn military tactics and military techniques. And they're terrorists. They are fighting against 
and imagined something. And now let, let's jump back to this email from my buddy Ryan. They're, all of their fights are about esoteric things. They're not fighting a real war with Mexican drug cartels. They're fighting a war on climate. They're not fighting against everyday criminal activity in the United States. They're fighting against the mythology of militarized police training facilities in Georgia. They're not fighting to help moms with kids and passing child tax credits. They're fighting a supposed war against women on the side of men who've decided to become women. They're fighting esoteric, exotic things that don't actually amount to improving your life. You've got 23 people who went to Atlanta, Georgia, only two of whom are from Georgia, fighting a police training facility for police officers in Atlanta, Georgia, convinced that they're somehow helping people. Many of these names, looking at them, they you know that they they claim to be helping the non-white black community. I promise you, they're not. They are. They're. They're not helping black citizens and black residents in the metro Atlanta area who are suffering under a crime wave. When they decide to fight climate change, you know what they're doing? They're they're driving up your costs. They're driving up inefficiencies. How many of you are of the age where you can remember when you were a kid, your appliances, they didn't break. You could use the same washer and dryer for a decade or more. Your refrigerator, it still works from the 1970s. And now every few years you're having to buy new stuff. We're on our third washing machine. I've been married for this year. It'll be 23 years on our third washing machine. We average uh, less than one a decade or more than one a decade. Everything seems expendable because the environmental regulations have impacted the supply chain. Everything is made as quickly as possible now. You can't use the stuff you used to use because the environmentalists are upset about it because they claim it's not as efficient. And and that's where the left is. They are convinced the world is going to end in a decade. Their kids are suffering overwhelming anxiety. If, if you listened the other week, there was a story out about how kids on the left from progressive families suffer more mental anguish and anxiety about the state of the world than kids on the right. And what it is, is is because the left catastrophizes everything. They they tell their kids, you've got to you gotta think the world is going to come to an end to fight it, to change it. you got to think the world is coming to an end in 10 years so that you meaningfully have the emotion to be able to fight for change. And they keep losing the fights and their anxiety keeps going up. And now they're convinced they're doing something. These white kids from Maryland and Massachusetts have convinced themselves they must go to Atlanta to save black people from police officers when it's the black people in the black neighborhoods who want the police there. And then you've got this Southern Poverty Law Center lawyer who was participating. The Federal Bureau of Investigation under the Biden administration has relied on the SPLC to designate other groups as hate groups and terrorist groups. And look at this. They're the ones who have a guy charged with domestic terrorism. 
You know, it was the Southern Poverty Law Center's website that inspired uh, Floyd Lee Corkins to shoot up the Family Research Center. Southern Poverty Law Center released a list of hate groups in America. They listed the uh, Family Research Council as a, a anti-gay hate group. And Floyd Lee Corkins, inspired by the list, decided to show up and kill everybody at the Family Research Center because of what the Southern Poverty Law Center had done. Likewise, uh, what's his name? Who uh, James Hodgkinson, who attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress, also was a fan of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Fascinating how all of these things tie together. You got domestic terrorist criminal mass shooting incidents all tied to this group. And now one of their lawyers is a would-be domestic terrorist charged with domestic terrorism. And yet the FBI relies on this group. CNN has on representatives of the Southern Poverty Law Center all the time to talk about hate groups. I bet they won't have them on to talk about domestic terrorism. Meanwhile... The Federal Bureau of Investigation, instead of targeting these people, has decided to target pro-lifers. This is from Life News. In a shocking release of whistleblower testimony, FBI Special Agent Garrett O'Boyle claimed that the Federal Bureau of Investigation began targeting pro-life pregnancy centers after the Dobbs decision. Describing the FBI leadership's directives to update threat tags that began targeting pro-life adherents, O'Boyle said, when the threat tag came out, it was like, why are you focusing on pro-life people? It's pro-choice people who are the ones protesting or otherwise threatening violence. O'Boyle said the FBI wanted agents to look for what the Bureau called pregnancy centers. It's these pregnancy centers that have come under attack from the groups like Jane's Revenge. They're prosecuting the law-abiding citizens. They dragged that one guy out of his house in his underwear. A jury found him not guilty. What was his crime? He showed up to protest an abortion clinic. And the Biden administration decided to prosecute him for doing so. A jury found him not guilty. Will the Biden administration take over the prosecution of these people in Atlanta? No, because they're on the left. It's allyship. They won't do it. We have terror attacks in Atlanta, Georgia, this administration won't act. We have four Americans kidnapped in Mexico. This administration won't act. We should not have to be European nations or third world nations invaded for this administration to care, but apparently that's it. Maybe if we all identify as a small, poor nation, uh, Joe Biden will actually care about it when Mexican cartels try to murder us or terrorists show up to firebomb. But if you're just an American, if you're just an American citizen, if you're just in an American city, it's, it, it, they don't care. They treat it as a local crime issue if they treat it as anything at all. We should not have to worry about domestic terrorists. We should not have to worry about being kidnapped in Mexico, and yet we do. And this administration's response time and time again is too effective to get anything done. Nobody takes them seriously. Everyone in the media talks about how Joe Biden got America respected again in the world. No, Joe Biden got us not taken seriously by any other government out there. There are bipartisan problems here, but we did not have domestic terrorists, Molotov cocktailing police to stop them from building training centers before this, before now. 
Why are they so emboldened with Joe Biden? Because they know they can get away with it. We need somebody to be tough on crime. Joe Biden should be tough on crime, and it should go beyond saying he'll allow Congress to repeal something from the District of Columbia. We need something more. We should not have to declare ourselves to identify ourselves as Ukraine to get this guy to get funding for us to stop terrorists in Atlanta, Georgia. Their priorities are all mixed up. If it's not climate change, they do not care. So I finally went somewhere where I didn't have service with Patriot Mobile. I did. Yeah, this is my ad campaign for Patriot Mobile. I went somewhere where it was the dead zone, which is the bottom of the Grand Canyon, which you should expect. I, I didn't have service with either of my cell phones there. Patriot Mobile has the same service you're going to get everywhere. Why? They have the same towers. They, the towers you're using for your self-service are probably the towers Patriot Mobile uses. So then why use Patriot Mobile? Because they share your values and they fund the causes you care about. That's why you should use Patriot Mobile. You get guaranteed great service using some of the same towers your existing providers are probably using. You can take your existing phone number to Patriot Mobile, but then they take a portion of their profits and give it to the causes you care about. Your big company's not doing that. They're probably funding the wokes. Patriot Mobile funds the Second Amendment movement, funds the pro-life movement, funds the conservative movement, even funds conservative parents' campaigns to take on woke school board members. They've been doing this to great success. You grow your business, you take your business, Patriot Mobile, help them grow their business. They take a portion of their profits and fund the causes that you care about. All you do is go to PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K, or you call them. Uh, eight, uh, oh gosh, now it's suddenly brain fart here. What is it? Eight hundred nine eight nine uh, yeah, nine seven two patriot. That's what it is. Nine seven two patriot. So close to my call in number, I get it confused. Nine seven two patriot. You call them, tell them I sent you. You get free activation with my name. It's patriotmobile.com slash Eric or 972patriot. Do business with a company that shares your values and contributes to the causes you care about and gives you guaranteed great phone service. You should. When I was in Las Vegas, I had some downtime between meetings and was able to uh, get some recipes logged to send back to you. So about that trip to Vegas, uh, I've, I've mentioned before what I was intending to tell them. It's kind of interesting. Uh, so for those of you who are, are new, haven't heard, I got asked to go to Las Vegas on Friday after the show to meet with some of the major Republican donors. They think, and they're right, that they got ripped off in 2022. One of the most notable things here is is that this was a, a, a group of donors who weren't locked in on one candidate. Some of them really want to get Glenn Youngkin in the race. A lot of them do like DeSantis. Some are intrigued with Nikki Haley. A couple really want Mike Pence. They're evangelical. What I noted is that by the time I got there, uh, the mood really is shifting towards a recognition that they've got to rally to a guy like DeSantis. And my advice to them has been don't all lay your hands on him. If you all designate him as your guy, he's going to immediately be viewed as the establishment guy. Uh, and that's going to that's actually going to hurt him. But my suggestion to them was stop running ads for your preferred candidates. I don't know if you guys realize this. This is a nuance of TV and radio. A candidate who runs an ad on his behalf has to be charged the lowest possible rate. A super PAC can be charged the highest rate. 
So a candidate can spend his money on an ad campaign cheaper than a super PAC. And typically the candidates consultant doesn't make him pay all the commissions. Uh, the super PAC is just making consultants rich because they pay the maximum amount on TV, which maximizes a consultant's placement commission in addition to the general ad creation commission. Uh, he charges a higher fee to the, the super PAC to begin with and takes the portion off the top. They're wasting their money. It may be a vanity play for them and it makes them feel good, but they're wasting their money. The candidate can get cheaper ads on TV than the super PAC. So why not have the super PACs run the grassroots, get out the vote stuff for candidates and allow the candidates to spend their grassroots money on TV and radio and the ad war? That was my suggestion. Maximize their dollars in conjunction with campaigns. They can't coordinate, but they can make it clear on social media what they're doing. And also, don't just rally to one candidate. Limit the field with your spending, but don't rally to just one person.